It's a real joy to be together, isn't it, on such a day, and uh, here to kind of celebrate, here to kind of celebrate the appointment of two elders um, in Jubilee Church, Solihull, and all that means really, and the evidence it is that God is still building His church, and uh, whenever fresh leaders are appointed and received in a congregation, it's evidence that God is still at work, the church is still alive and well and growing and uh, in need of leadership. And we want to do it the Bible's way. And uh, as we know, uh, the Bible talks about local churches each having elders, plural, and uh, those elders really overseeing the work. And as it says in 1 Timothy 5, directing the affairs of that church well. And uh, so what we're going to do in a little while, and it won't be many minutes, so don't worry, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, I'll just speak. I want to talk about how to receive elders Uh, in a local church. Just want to teach on that again. I know I touched on some of that when I was together with the uh, church here some months ago now, but I just want to touch on that again and uh, just remind us again how to receive elders really well. So when we come in about 15 or 20 minutes to lay hands on uh, the elders here, when we lay hands on Rob and Steve, it kind of means something fresh, having just looked at the Bible together. And uh, so we don't in any way go through the kind of motions or some kind of ceremony for the sake of it, but we understand what it is to receive elders into a church. And uh, my hope is that when we do that, many of you will be able to pray and prophesy and really pray for God's blessing on these two guys as they come into eldership. We're going to pray for them. We're then going to ask their wives to come and stand with them. And we're going to pray for them as couples as well and pray for the partnership of the, uh, the elder and his wife and pray for them together. And uh, hey, the bigger prayers you pray for your elders, the more blessed the church is going to be. I mean, it's a no-lose situation. eh? It's a good one for churches to be able to pray for elders. So I'd love you to open your Bibles at 1 Timothy chapter 5. And those of you who have heard me teach on eldership before in different places will know this is a kind of a well-worn scripture for me when we get to this point in church life of appointing elders. And it says in 1... Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. In the NIV it says, Let the elders who direct the affairs, the affairs of the church well receive double honour. Or in the ESV it says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honour, especially those who labour in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when treading out the grain, and the labourer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. And as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them publicly or in ESV in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. And in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing with partiality. And let's just pray as we look at these verses together. Father, we do want to thank you for the opportunity of being together. We thank you that we can just immediately and freely open your word and uh, read it, look at it together. We do pray that you'd really speak to us and help us just in these short minutes. We pray for a deposit from the fantastic teacher, the Holy Spirit, into our own hearts and lives. We ask you for that. And really shape us on this subject of eldership, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 
as a church or a congregation uh, prepares itself to receive elders, new elders, uh, I want to encourage you to think about two things. One is a, something I want you to give and to extend yourself in. The other is something I want you to withhold and discipline yourself from. Okay? And uh, the first thing it says in 1 Timothy 5:17 is, if elders direct the affairs of the church well, they're to be considered worthy of double honour. And so the first thing I want to say is, learn how to receive elders in a way that communicates double honour to them. The other thing that I want you to withhold and to discipline yourself away from is to bring quick criticism or accusation to your elders. And it says clearly here in 1 Timothy 5 that actually we must not accept or admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So the two things we're just going to talk about for a couple of minutes. Okay, that was a lie. It's not going to be a couple of minutes. All right, I confess that sin to you right now. It's going to be more like 15. So first is what I want you to consider doing is extending and giving yourselves in an appropriate sense of double honour to these guys as we receive them in eldership. Now the challenge is, of course, we don't live in a shame, honour culture. So for us, it sounds very weird, doesn't it? You start thinking about double honour. If somebody said to you, what would you like for your birthday? And you said, well, actually, I'd like a dose of double honour, please. I mean, nobody would know what you're talking about. But the Bible says, actually, when elders are directing the affairs of the church well, when there is evidence of the grace of God at work on them and in them, that actually they are really doing their ministry well, in the church, and you know, both of these guys in the church have been doing that, then they're worthy, the Bible says, of being considered for double honour. And double honour, as I say, is very strange in our culture, but in the Bible's culture, in this kind of first century church culture, it meant everything. Double honour, not even honour. To be honoured was great, but double honour. You know, it's fantastic, isn't it? Double honour. What does that mean? Well, I think back to when I became an elder in, um, in Haywood Heath down in Sussex. And uh, I told you this story before probably, but I was uh, brought into eldership. And uh, we had a service very much like this when the church gathered and other leaders came and uh, hands were laid on me. I was prayed for and brought into eldership. And uh, immediately after I was brought into eldership that following week, I was meeting with a guy that was uh, discipling me. And uh, he was a lawyer and had a very nice house. And we used to meet, meet in his kitchen, have a bowl of cornflakes every other week. And he used to disciple me and input into me a little bit. And uh, I went the week after I'd become an elder to have my kind of fortnightly discipleship time with this guy, an older guy in our church, going to have a bowl of cornflakes at the breakfast bar. And uh, I get to the house and he says, we're not going to be eating in the kitchen today. Uh, we're going to be eating in the dining room. So I thought, well, that's a bit weird. You know, maybe there's something in the kitchen they don't want me to see. You know, maybe they haven't washed up from last night's curry, you know, normal life, even for lawyers. And um, so I went into the dining room. When I got into the dining room, and they've got a posh dining room. I mean, there's the table set for ten. You know, there's a chair at each end and four down each side. And at the far end, at the head of the table, there's a table setting for me. So I thought, wow, what have I done wrong? So I went and sat at the head of the table and he said, look, we'll be back in a moment, just leave you here. Left the dining room, shut the door. And uh, so I'm sitting there thinking, something very strange is happening here. He then opened the door and he had four kids at home at that time. And one by one, the four children processed into the dining room with the youngest first. And the first one came and put two glasses of orange juice 
And then the next one came, put two cups of coffee. Next one came, put a plate down with two pieces of toast. Next one came and put a plate down in front of me. And it wasn't a bowl of cornflakes. It was a full English breakfast with two fried eggs, two sausages, two hash browns, whole thing. And then the family lined up at the end of the table and they said, Matt, this is our way of saying to you that now you've become an elder, we give you double honour. As a family, we're for you. We receive you. We love you. We're going to be praying for you. Now that story has lived with me for my entire life. So since then. So I'm thinking, every time I teach on eldership, I can't describe it any better than that. When the Bible talks about extending double honour to your elders as you receive them, it's talking about affectionate loyalty. It means church isn't a tug of war between the congregation and the leaders. My way, your way, my way, your way. It's this brilliant synergy of Jesus-like servant leaders who are trying to serve a church and give themselves, losing their life for it, and a congregation who receive that servant leadership and say, and we're going to honour our elders back and bless them and we're going to give them our affectionate loyalty. We're going to give that to them. Which means we're not going to make their work hard or a burden, as it says elsewhere in the New Testament. We're going to make it a joy. We're going to pray for them and bless them right up. Now, some Pentecostal churches suggest that double honour means double salary. I'm not teaching that. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> Sorry about that, boys. All right? But it does mean affectionate loyalty. It means give your hearts to these guys as you pray for them and receive them. You know, it's not a professional office that's being fulfilled. It's a relationship that's being received. It's a grace thing. You're recognising the grace of God on them and saying we honour it, we respect it, we're for it. We want to, we're with you. Wherever you lead, we're going to be with you. We're praying for you. Okay, so that's one thing we're going to give. We're going to give double honour, okay? Right, the thing we're not going to give, something we're going to withhold, all right, and we're going to discipline ourselves away from is what it calls, uh, talks about here, the criticism. We do not admit in verse 19 a charge or an accusation, as it says in the NIV, against an elder unless it is brought by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, it's Calvin that said, any public minister cannot escape a thousand criticisms. You know, it's really the case for anybody in any public role in life, really. But if you're going to be involved in serving and leading something publicly, you're going to open yourself up to criticism more than the average man or woman. It's just the way it is. You know, the old adage, you can't please everybody all of the time. It's true. I hate to say it, even in church life. You know, we're not looking for actual utopia. What's the word? Utopia, where everybody actually is completely consensus all the time. Church isn't like that. It's more mature than that. We seek in one heart, one mind, but we're going to get on with things. And even if it's not exactly an exact fit to my preferences, it doesn't matter. We're going to press in. We're going to stay in there and hang in and serve and give and be part of it. We're not looking for idealism. We're looking for serving and recognising the grace of God. So when it comes to criticising, you could feel like criticising leaders probably a lot of the time. But the Bible doesn't permit it. Praise God, thank you, Jesus, as a leader. It actually says that you cannot entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. And that's really healthy for a church. It's really healthy. It means that if somebody rocks up at Emmanuel Church in Oxford, where I'm from and David's from, on any given Sunday morning, and they walk in and they say to other people in the congregation, do you know what? 
I was in the middle of Oxford last night and I saw Matt Partridge absolutely bladdered. He was in a Ferrari with two brunettes. This didn't really happen. You're looking really serious. All right? I'm making it up. Okay. Your instinctive response, please, is to say that simply cannot be true. I know Matt, I know Rob, I know Steve. And everything I know about them says that is not possible. I will not accept that accusation against our elders. Now the difficulty, of course, is if two or three people will come in on that same morning and say, no, I saw it. And they weren't brunette, they were blonde. (laughs) And it wasn't a Ferrari, it was a Lamborghini. But he was right, you know, it was Matt, he was there. Then we've got a problem... And what happens is very clear. The Bible says, and if elders sin publicly, they must be rebuked publicly. It must be dealt with. It's one of the responsibilities of having public ministry. If you want to lead publicly, you need to live publicly and be rebuked publicly. So it's a thing we're going to do. We're going to receive these guys extending double honour, and we're going to receive these guys withholding quick criticism and accusation. All right? unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. Now you might say, well that sounds like a license for dominance bullying leadership. You've just signed, Matt, a blank cheque for these guys to lead however they want without any redress for us as a church. And that's not the case. I'll give you two reasons why not. Firstly, these guys are committed to servant leadership in the model of Christ. Which means they're not building empires, it's not a chief executive role. They're looking to be servants laying down their life for the sheep. They're going to give themselves to it, lose themselves in it. They want to outserve one another and outserve all of you. That's one reason. Secondly, they're in accountable relationships. So I don't want to sound remotely intimidating, but if these guys, these guys get stroppy, phone me up. I'll come and talk to them. They're in accountable relationships with those in, outside of this church. And also they are adopting a model of servant leadership. So there's two reasons why it should never go wrong. As these guys lose themselves in serving the church and you lose yourself in extending and receiving them with double honour and withholding unfair accusation and criticism, everything will be massively blessed and advance to the glory of God. Amen?